You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Your host, Olivia, here, and I have the Dr. Haley Arnold. And today we're talking about nutrition. And, you know, I I said something right before we got on, and she, she she corrected me. And I was like, you know, you are what you eat. And she's like, we are what we digest. And and that is so true. Um, Just to give you a little bit of background about her, She is a chiropractor and a functional medicine practitioner. Uh, She is best described as an entrepreneur. Constantly finding solutions to problems, Dr. Arnold spends her days formulating nutritional products and genetic tests for children of all ages. She is an active clinician, educator, public speaker, and published author with a passion for neurosensory differences, and autoimmunity. Dr. Arnold has created multiple businesses that allow children to get healthy naturally. She believes long-term health truly starts in childhood, and she seeks to educate children and their parents in ways to help them make the best decisions about wellness coming all the way from Sugarland, Texas. And um, her links are in the show notes below. And if you're watching this on YouTube, her links are in the description below. Um, Definitely check her out, flood her Instagram, all the things. Yes, please. So, okay. What made you decide to go in this line of work? So I actually have a bit of a personal story. I don't think any chiropractor really becomes a chiropractor without a, a health crisis story. I am a self-proclaimed autoimmune hot mess. I have been diagnosed with every autoimmune disease you can think of. I think MS was the the last one I was told I had. And that was all the age of 19. So I was actually on my way to become a professor of theology. I was getting my master's degree in theological studies, planning to get my PhD, and I became extremely ill. And I ended up going to a chiropractor and a functional medicine doctor Uh, two different doctors at the time. And basically after going to the traditional medical route and not finding answers other than medications, which were not my friend, I ended up getting extremely healthy when they started talking to me about nutrition. So I was able to put most of my autoimmune diagnoses in remission and decided, you know what, I'm spending all my time learning this for myself I don't want other people to have the same situation I do. So I decided to make this my career. And since then I've been, I've been in practice for 12 years now, really helping. Um, I call them the spectrum kids and the autoimmune moms. Cause that's who comes to me. I help the kiddos with their neurosensory issues and almost exclusively their parents also have autoimmunity. So I ended up doing nutrition based wellness care with them not only is because it worked for me, but it kind of is my way of giving back to the world. So I absolutely love it. I love that. Are there common, um, are there some autoimmune diseases that are more common than others that you've noticed over the past 12 years of you know, doing this? 
Yes, I don't know the data specifically, but I will say that Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmunity, tends to be the most common in the women that I see. Um, and there is some research that backs the idea that Hashimoto's women tend to have autistic or ADHD babies. So but the other Dr. Arnold in my practice sees kiddos on the spectrum because that was her passion. And when we put both of those things together, there's a huge commonality between the two. So it's quite interesting. And, you know, I, I have a few friends with children that are on the spectrum and just finding the statistics out about them, you know, that one in every four children is born on the spectrum because the spectrum is just so wide. It's wide and varied. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's really, it's like, almost so out of 25% of the population, basically, I feel like autism has been around for Mm -hmm. a very long time. I don't necessarily think it's increasing. I think we're starting to recognize and acknowledge it. It might be increasing, you know, but I think that maybe we are actually just starting to acknowledge what it is. Yeah. I think we're starting to realize that not everyone fits in the same box. We're not all, you know, what is it? Pegs and squares, like whatever that saying is, we don't all fit in the same category. So when we start to recognize that there are differences in the way our brains work, differences in the way we interpret our environments and our surroundings, then we can clearly see, hey, we we are a, a wide and varied uh, creature as humans. So Oh yeah. We are too complex for these one size fits all, um, approaches. Um, label everything. So that's the way our world is becoming just labeling all the things, all the things. So since starting your practice, what do you feel like has been, um, one of your biggest personal breakthroughs in what you're doing? I think, For me specifically, we do a lot with genetic testing from like basically the way your body is designed to process your food, what vitamins you may be prone to deficiencies in. When I started doing genetic testing on all my patients, I cut out a lot of the trial and error for care plans. So my patients started getting better faster because I could say, oh, well, your body is designed to do XYZ, you need this type of diet, you need these type of nutrients, we could cut out certain food groups that maybe you, uh, your body sees as inflammatory, like gluten and dairy. And with genetic testing, it, it just, it blew up my practice. So that has been the biggest breakthrough because it allows me to truly individualize care for every single person that walks through my door at a rapid pace. Yes because you don't have to go through as much trial and error. So what are some of the commonalities among African-Americans that you find uh, when you do uh, genetic testing? A lot more dairy sensitivity than you would think. So um, a lot of my African-American patients tend to try to be vegans. um, And while I will support them in whatever way they want to go, There's a couple of genes associated with dairy and a couple of genes associated with cholesterol that do tend to be a little bit more prevalent. Now, I will back this up by saying research is not there. So this is more of my my anecdotal, like in my clinic, this is what I see. My patients tend to have one particular gene 
the name escapes me at the moment, but one particular gene that says they would do better on a vegetarian based diet from a heart perspective. And so I feel like they're kind of naturally intuitively eating the way their body is designed to. And then the other one is that dairy is linked to obesity. So part of the cart, what we call the cardiometabolic crisis in this country, especially on the standard American diet is that we are so used to eating highly processed dairy products and loads of saturated fat, that kind of stuff. And that leads to cardiovascular health problems. So when we do genetics, we can say, okay, dairy is not your friend. Let's cut that out, especially the higher fat dairy. And then if they have this particular gene variant, we can literally put them on more of a vegetarian or what I call a pescatarian style diet, where they're, they're still doing fish and omega-3s, but they're forgetting all the other animal product, uh, products. So it gets them healthier from the cardiovascular perspective pretty quickly. So. Thank you for that. Um, I just ask because, okay, I know that women have been left out of science and studies. If you're not a white male under the mm-hmm. age of 40, you've been left out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so that's why it's like, I, I, I love to ask these questions because they are not some that have been studied as much mm-hmm. um, in the past, but yeah, for, especially for women. Cause I mean, I help women um, coaching wise with use their menstrual cycles to their benefit, not necessarily I, I talk mostly about the hormones. Yeah. For instance. So, but that, but the fact that, and I'm just reading so many books and doing all, all this study, there's not really like a niche full of study for that because right. that's yeah. something that we, we haven't been in, in control of our health for a very long time. Forever, ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ever. And so <laughs> not in modern day history, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, cavemen days, you know, maybe we, yeah. we, we knew a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> but you know, when we were synced up with the moon and everything, maybe things right. were a little more normal, but right now it's not what it is. So, you know, that's, that's part of the reason I asked that too, because it, it's just nice to know with the people that work, you know, hands-on and I, I, I'm as a person, I, I can relate. Like I was training for a bikini competition last year. Um, mm-hmm. and I had to cut out most of my dairy. I love cheese. I, oh, I love cheese. I mean, who doesn't? But I, I had some cheesecake the other day and it tore me up. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I do have, and I only drink almond milk. I, I don't really do a lot of red meat. Um, I do, you know, poultry and seafood for the most part. Um, my go-tos are chicken, turkey, and salmon. Um, but I'll have like red meat every once in a while and it's super high quality, but, but still it just does not digest right. Yeah. And I think the older we get, the more that becomes an issue. But since you work with children, you really do have to work hand in hand with the parents. Yeah. It's usually the parents are their problem, not the kids. Exactly. Because <laughs> the kids will eat what you feed them. Yeah. And parents have control. Like I've got two littles um, and they're, they're foster babies, soon to be adopted babies. And so when they came to live with us, they had been living on, you know, Cheetos and Gatorade. They have not, they weren't living on water and vegetables. So we had to get over our own, you know, as, as parents, we're like, they're crying, they're fussy. They don't want to eat what I'm giving them. We had to basically train. We were already trained ourselves, but we have to train our parents to say, look, you don't buy the Gatorade. You don't Mm -hmm. buy the Coke. 
you have water, you have coconut milk or almond milk, those kind of things. And it's training the parents to stop buying the processed junk food that they're used to buying. And then poof, kids magically start to eat whatever you're giving them. So that's a very simplified version. It's a lot more complicated, but. Yeah. Cause you got people's emotions and stuff yeah. that just like <laughs> come that's into play and emotions and are family things. things. Yeah. I started paying attention and noticing um, just how much candy is given out like yeah. throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. So, so new year's, that's not really a thing, but any parade that you have. So let's say you take your kids to an MLK parade. Mm. There's, there's going to be candy there. Okay. If you take Valentine's days next month, you know, the following month. And then that, uh, the classrooms, they do the, they do the candy, they, the candy. And then I was a part of a St. Patrick's day parade. And I'm like, we're throwing out candy again. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> what, what, what are we getting here? Yeah. Um, and then there's Easter and the Easter egg hunts in April. And then there's mother's day and there's always going to be, Oh, and Cinco de Mayo. We cannot forget about Cinco de Mayo. Like in all of these little things that we, that, that have to do with food and candy and people having to have self-discipline. Yeah. How do you help your, you know, your patients that come in have more self-discipline and build that habit? So one of the things that we always do, especially for parents of younger kids is trade the candy for stickers, trade it for some other sort of prize or exciting tidbit because kids really just care that they're getting something. Um, the other thing that I do is whenever there's a birthday party or an, or a holiday that I have a two year old and a four year old. So preschool is all about the birthday party still. I offer to bake the vegan allergy friendly cupcakes for my child's birthday party. I offer to bring the stickers and the pencils and the erasers and the thing, the little toys, the knickknacks that the teachers are going to hand out. Um, granted, I can do that because my kids are at a small little Montessori daycare but whenever the, the time comes to get involved and be of service to the children and parents around you, if it's something where you can offer those services, it's so much easier than dealing with, oh my gosh, are they going to eat, you know, red dye and sugar all day. Um, when you can't change the situation, like let's say my four-year-old goes to someone else's birthday party, even though she's highly allergic to dairy and to gluten, it's not going to kill her. So it's not a life and death situation. I have a love it, bless it, eat it, move on <laughs> the kind of attitude towards it. So as long as there's not a food allergy, that's deathly literally like peanuts or shellfish or anything like that. We, we have such good habits in our household that the occasional cupcake is not going to be a problem. So it's one of those things where you know, if, if the holidays coming up like Easter or Halloween or something where candy is very heavy in those holidays, trade them for stickers, trade them for a non-food product. And I think as a society, we need to get more used to using non-food treats than the candies. Right. Cause it, it just fuels another addiction that people yeah. have a food addiction, yeah, absolutely. you know, absolutely. Uh, people call it the COVID 15. I really think it's like the COVID 60. 
that people, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there was a point in time that I was, you know, working from home because I was working for a day job and we, we would work from home a lot of the time. And it, I, um, I got to a point where it was like, I need to just put up a sign on my fridge that says, are you hungry? Mm. Because so many of us just mindlessly eat yep. because we're bored and we don't bored. have you know, anything better to do. And it's just so convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also heard, you know, that sitting at a desk or a chair is the new cigarette, new smoking. Um, yeah. you know, new form of smoking, because it's like, we're not, we're not being as active. I try to make sure I get my walks in. Um, but I know that I'm, I'm different than a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and society in general, and, you know, nutrition goes hand in hand with a healthy lifestyle, uh, yeah. for me, weight loss and everything. Um, it is definitely, it's like 80% of it. Yes. I, <laughs> I would argue that 90% of your health is what you're putting in your face. Um, there's obviously also, you know, I can speak to this from a very privileged standpoint because I've always had access to food. I can afford it. I can do whatever I need to, to eat an organic and healthy diet. And unfortunately, in this society, most of the society cannot. So we are stuck with processed foods and cheap stuff that people have access to. And unfortunately, that's not helping anything. So there's a variety of ways that we're not all able to have a healthy lifestyle. So for those that are, you know, not not so privileged to, you know, for those of the people that live in food deserts, you know, what are ways that you suggest they change their diets? I think there's almost always access to fruits and vegetables. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Um, so usually I'll say, you know, it, a banana is better than a bag of chips and they're usually pretty cheap too. So I always try to get people to get used to switching to produce versus the prepackaged item. That's the safest and easiest form. We may not all be able to eat organic grass-fed beef. We may not all be able to eat an avocado, but generally things like grapes and bananas and apples and lettuce and those kind of foods I mean, we, I even get bananas and apples at the gas station. So there's definitely that ability to, to make those small changes. The other thing is going for water instead of uh, soda or Gatorade or, a, you know, sports drink kind of thing. Um, we, people don't realize that even though you're drinking a beverage, it's not necessarily giving you the water quantity that you need. For every cup of coffee, you're actually dehydrating yourself, even though it's, you know, 90% water. So it's making small changes like that when you can, instead of going for the obvious easy grab of a prepackaged meal. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm very privileged that I was raised to mostly just drink water. We would only have yeah. Sprite every once in a while. I do like my like flavored drink packets. Like I, I will admit to those, those are some of like those, those have come in nice and clutch, very low calorie, if any at all. But I mean, they've got that like sucralose stuff in it and we don't know. Yeah. Still not healthy. All of that. Yeah. 
but I feel like it's healthier than a Coke. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with treats either. Like if it's your birthday or if it's just Friday and you want to enjoy something, by all means, there should be no, um, I'm the last person that's going to guilt anyone over what they're eating. But when we can make, you know, 80% of our diet as healthy as possible and then the other 20% is just enjoy life. Uh, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of joy in things like Brussels sprouts and broccoli, in my opinion. So we do have to, you know, have some sort of social and joyful fulfillment around food at times too. Well, I mean, if you make the Brussels sprouts with like, you can, you can cook up some Brussels sprouts, put some feta cheese. Okay. I I do actually love Brussels sprouts. You know, and there's some balsamic glaze on it. Yeah. Oh, listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I love vegetables and stuff like that. Um, Most people do not. Yeah. And I think that's an, another thing, you know, how can, I know switching things out, but how much would you suggest a person switch out as far as vegetables go in their diet? Like, is it supposed to be two thirds of their plate or- mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. More veggies than anything. So, um, if we wanted to get real specific, I'd say do three to four ounces of an animal protein. Um, and then, you know, two third, you know, two or three cups of, of veggies if possible, maybe whole grains. See, that's where I get super specific with your genes. So uh, some people have genes, grains are inflammatory for them. Others don't. So we get, uh, everyone can do meat, fruit, and veggies though. So that was part of one of like when I was training for a bikini competition, like my diet was macros wise, it was 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I was working with a person that had been like my nutritional list was like had been doing it for like 20 years. She was also my posing coach. And I I was just so amazed because there's so much stigma around the diet culture Mm -hmm. online. You you see the things you think you got to do things a certain way. And it really turns you away from food. And I was so surprised that I could eat like a full, like balanced thing. I would be so full off of just like 1800 calories. I'd be so full because I'm eating so much protein. Yeah. Protein is the number one um, macro that I would say people are lacking for the most part. And I mean, it's important, like, to be mindful of those, you know, and I, I think it's very, you know, it, it can be eating people also often shy away from eating healthy because they don't think it's affordable. Yep. Not affordable or boring. And a lot of people don't know how to cook either. So it's very difficult. You either don't have time to cook, you don't know how to cook, or, you know, maybe they're eating for one and it's just not as enjoyable to cook for one person versus a family. There's all sorts of variables to why people may shy away from eating a healthy meal. And you have, you have products to help with that, don't you? We do. Yeah. We actually, you know, we focus in on supplements with our kiddos and our moms. Well, actually dads too. We, we focus on creating healthy kids. So we have prenatals for men and women. We have things like vitamin D, protein powders, that kind of stuff. So we, we absolutely love creating supplements that, you know, 
if your kid's not going to eat a vegetable, maybe I can give it to them in my protein shake and you make a smoothie out of it. So. Yeah. And I mean, wouldn't it be cool to actually know that the creator of the protein that you're, you're in consuming, you know, like, like you are meeting the creator of the protein that you could be consuming. Like that is so cool. Um, yeah. Like, and so when did you start that process of creating that? Years ago, we finally, we've had a supplement brand for a few years now, but we finally started our kid brand last year. Cause we, for kid, we have so many things for adults. We have like detox programs and weight loss programs and all that stuff, uh, which we've always done, but we always struggled on the kid front because we wanted to make sure that the picky eaters were satisfied or that the autistic kiddos with gut problems were satisfied. We wanted to kind of create a a line for everyone instead of niche things, so to speak. And so we finally got our, our kids multivitamin came out last fall along with our vitamin D. And then, then just a couple months ago, we got our protein powder finally after months of development. And it's, I, I have so much excitement around that product because it tastes amazing and it's really healthy. <laughs> So, and we've had nothing but good feedback. So I'm really excited about it. That is awesome. So where can we find your products? Nutratots.com. So it's a very fun website. Where are you? And you're, I love your branding. It's so colorful. Um, Where are you looking to take this brand? So our ultimate goal, of course, is to be the best family household brand that you know of in the supplement world. Uh, Maybe even the snack world eventually. We have some ideas. But right now we're really focused on making sure kiddos have the right protein source that they need. So like you were talking about, you were actually full on protein. The entire uh, reasoning behind starting with our protein powder was our two-year-old. At the time, he was 16 months he could not get full no matter what we did. And what most people don't realize is protein powders on the market are designed for adults. They're not designed for little kids. So we're like, we could do this. We could make a, we were kind of being chemists with our adult protein powders in our kitchen, making sure that he only got the serving that his little kidneys could tolerate. And that was the whole method behind our madness was what can we feed our own children? Um, So we have our protein powder and our, our whole goal is to be a household name. Like we want to be in the mom medicine cabinet kind of thing. That is so, so exciting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so exciting. Um, when we get done with this, I gotta, I gotta connect you with, um, some people that I know that, um, do mom things. Cool. Um, but yeah, no, that is, that is so cool. So you want to be a household name. Mm-hmm. What are some of the personal things that you've had to overcome with your growth? From a business perspective or a personal perspective? Both like mindset wise, things you had to, you know, adapt to. Mindset wise, it's really interesting because I was just talking to a friend about this a little while ago that in my, in my functional medicine world, you know, we like to think our worlds are bigger than they are. Um, I follow very specific influencers, people that I know personally and have met at conferences. And I personally do have a bit of a jealous side 
And whenever I'm looking at their perfect Instagrams and their perfect social media platforms, I'm like, well, why aren't we, why don't we have 10,000 followers or a hundred thousand followers? We have like 2000. Um, right now we only have a couple hundred on our NutriTots Instagram. So I always, I have to overcome my own, um, I guess, ego in the sense that I personally know these people that their brand might not be as cool as mine. <laughs> they have so many more followers and so much more influence. And I do get jealous about that. Um, from a brand perspective, you know, the supplement industry is so competitive. Mm-hmm. There are thousands of brands out there and just that constant daily grind, especially being a mom, being a female, being um, small business owner. We, there's so many things we have to put into our daily calendars that sometimes the grind gets extremely overwhelming and burnout is a real thing. Mm-hmm. So being, being a mompreneur, if you will, has not only been difficult, but also given me the most passion I've ever had. So just things like that. I have to, it's a lot of mindset of, of keep going. Things will explode. You know, today is not the last day. We're just now beginning kind of stuff that I have to overcome. And then not to compare myself to everyone else. Building, building your resiliency muscle. Yeah, for sure. I am. I was talking to somebody about that, um, you know, building, you know, and I I actually did a speech on this. I was like, you know, you can't have consistency without resiliency. You've got to have your bounce back effect. You've got to be able to pick yourself up after you fall down because you will fail and you fail hard. And, you know, you know, you've been doing this for, you know, you've had your business for 12 years. Yeah. I always Um, say you, you don't fail unless you quit. And I mean, it, how you look at failure is all different too. And, it, and it, all that stuff is subjective. You sure. know, you're not going to win every single time. Right. And, and people not winning, they look at that as failure. I don't feel like that's ultimate failure. I feel like that's a lesson learned, but you have to get in the mindset for that to be a lesson learned. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and sometimes like I was talking to my partner about this, like, I don't think that every emotion needs to necessarily be addressed. I think that sometimes we just need to let it go through. We might just need to vent. We might just need to cry. We might just need to have our moments and like, let it go. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I, I greatly appreciate you sharing all that. And you know, the comparison on social media is so real um, for female entrepreneurs, for just people in general. Um, You know, the suicide rates have gone up tremendously. Mm -hmm. Um, and people, people can say what they want to about millennials or Gen Zers or whatever, but the people that are in their sixties and seventies didn't have to go through their twenties, thirties, forties, seeing what their, their high school classmates did every single day. Yep. And even if we're not paying attention to it full-blown subconsciously on a level. And I think that we don't talk about this enough. We are comparing ourselves to those people. Oh, certainly. We absolutely are. If I do it, everyone else is doing it too. And I mean, from, from COVID now, okay. You're pretty open in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, Y'all weren't as shut down as places like California, but I found myself like right after we were, we were starting to be able to go back to places like I was looking at people and coming up with stories in my head about those people 
just like I was watching them on social media. Like, cause you know, like if you find somebody that has like, that writes a negative comment that you don't like and you click on their profile and then you start looking at their pictures and then you see like all you, you, you get all these things in your head. Like they're this type of person. This You don't even know. You don't even know. Right. Not at all. I was, I noticed I started doing that in person. I'm like, Oh hell no. I got, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't be that type of person. Um, but I don't think that, um, everybody is necessarily that self-aware. Yeah, for sure. So I, I just, I appreciate you just even sharing that part of it because it's hard, you know, I'm, I'm 40. So I guess I'm a, what, gen, whatever. You're um, a millennial. I'm technical. Oh, no, just kidding. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm the elder millennial. Um, mm-hmm. That is, you know, I, I have always been a people pleaser type of personality. So when you add social media in the mix, of course, I'm not going to show them anything negative. Like. And we're, we're all making up those stories in our head. And when we find, when we realize that about ourselves and then we meet, you know, the real people in person or they're just normal. Like we are, I I've put so many people on pedestals thinking that they were cooler than me. And then you meet them in real life. It's like, Oh, you're just a real person. Okay, cool. Um, and that, that I think is a real problem, but that's certainly one of my struggles. Yeah. But it, it also makes me too, like, cause it, it has been one of mine. Like, I just want to show up as authentic as possible, Yes, you know, like on, and it's hard to do that on Instagram. It's hard to do that with, you know, with like, cause I have a personal brand, but you have, you know, business world in general. It's so like, you got, it's that culture. I feel like it's going to be a minute before that kind of dies down the perfection yeah. behind it. Yeah. Our, our Instagram feed is pretty pictures, but, um, it's, it's a little hard. Like our brands just don't really give way to real life shots <laughs> very well, but my, I mean, I'm open on my, so my personal social media profiles too are very public. Um, and you should do testimonies. Yep. That's coming. So we're just now getting reviews on our, um, on our page. I finally found the app to make the reviews pretty. So that's starting to flow in I'm that'll be that. so good and like you can do like the real like turn them into reels oh my goodness oh yeah my that would yeah. be so cool for yours you know just to really because people it's so hard to get people's attentions nowadays you yeah. know and um I want you to be as successful as possible so that's why I'm just thinking <laughs> of all these things <laughs> yeah we've got we've got a lineup of um some moms that are have told us they're going to do a, a video testimonial that we can put on um, one of my, my good friends, she was a, a high school musical celebrity and she's done some testimonials for us in the past. So she'll get on there as well. So it, it's fun just seeing, I like to see the kids reactions with our products. Um, but even just getting the mom or the dad perspective is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And oh man, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you. Well, you know, Thank you, Dr. Arnold, for, for joining me today, for sharing what you do, who you are, um, yeah. just your authentic truth, you know, what you're going to, what you are doing for um, the health of our country. And so I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, it's a pleasure having you. It was great meeting you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empowered Woman, Badass and 
Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.